Good morning, Covenant Network. Happy Monday to you on this Monday, October 25th. It's good to be with you this morning. We, uh, you know, I, I want to begin the day not just with our morning offering here on Roadmap to Heaven like we normally would, but most of you in our listening area experienced strong to severe storms last evening. Um, I know by the time I finally got the kids to bed and that I went to bed that uh, there were at least three suspected tornadoes that had touched down in our listening areas. So I'd like to pray our morning offering this morning, but then also uh, just simply pray in Our Father, a Hail Mary, and a Glory Be for all those affected by last night's storms, by yesterday's storms, and uh, all those who will be affected by them today and, and going into the future. Um, I have not heard any reports about whether there were injuries or deaths, so I don't know, um, but we would pray for all those who are affected, and that would include those who may have suffered physical harm. Uh, we pray together in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And before we pray the glory be, let's pray a memorari as well. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come before thee, I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you on Roadmap to Heaven this Monday morning as we get ready for uh, Halloween, All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Day, one of my favorite days in the life of the church, All Souls' Day, an important day for us to pray for those who have gone before us, marked with the sign of faith, um, to pray for all of the dead. And we have a lot to talk about. You know, uh, the reality is you and I are all going to die. So this week on the show, we're going to devote some time to considering that. The old uh, phrase, memento mori, remember death. And then uh, I, I used to have a sign. I actually just gave it away to someone who, who uh, said, wow, that's incredible. I, you know, I said, take it. You, you, want, you love it. Take it. You, know, the, you're, you need to have this sign more than I do. Um, because they were just so enamored with it. And, and I, I said, I take it. I'll get a new one. So I got to get a new sign. But it said, Memento Mori, Tempest Fugit. Time fly or Tempest Fugit, Memento Mori. I can't remember the order. But essentially, time flies, remember death. Time flies, 
remember death. And so that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to be talking with uh, Monsignor Morris today. We actually spent quite a bit of time on the road with him last week talking about this topic. How do we get ready to die? I mean, if we're all going to die, how do we get ready to die? So that's something we're going to talk about on the show today. And then Wednesday, we're going to follow that up. We'll be talking with Father Wade Menezes from the Fathers of Mercy about what happens when we die. And we're going to talk about those four last things, eschatology, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Uh, I really look forward to that. He's, you know, Father Wade's got some wonderful things to say about that. So that's today and Wednesday. And then Friday on the Roundup, we're going to be talking about saints and and souls and, and some of those things as well. Also today, we're going to talk about being authentic. We're going to talk about our true identity with Patty Schneier. Always good to visit with Patty, not just for our daily dose of encouragement, but whenever the opportunity arises to have a longer conversation. And we're going to do that today as well. So that is what's coming up on the show. I have to share with you, um, you know, Father's homily this weekend, he was talking about one of my favorite saints, St. John Henry Newman, the great oratorian, former Anglican who converted to the Catholic faith and then later became Cardinal uh, John Henry Newman, now St. John Henry Newman. And, And I love John Henry Newman. I love his writings. I love Uh, You know, one of my favorite things was something he said about to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant. And, well, Adam, you're not a Protestant. And I'm like, hold on now. Hold on now. I may not not be a Protestant, you know, member of another Christian church, but how often do I protest the church? How often do I protest? Why do we have to have this rule? Why do we have to have that rule? So, you know, even as a Catholic, sometimes I think if we're honest, we all have those moments where we protest. Why do we believe that? Why do we have to believe that? And St. John Henry Newman said, well, to be deep in history is to cease to be Protestant, is to cease to protest. Um, and we, we look at the teachings of the church really handed down from age to age, unchanging, unchanging. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But what Father preached about was that, you know, one of my favorite texts of St. John Henry Newman, a, a wonderful hymn text, uh, Lead Kindly Light, Lead Kindly Light, was composed in a moment of great darkness for him. And we forget that the saints have those from time to time. The the saints have those moments where they say, "Ah, it's dark. It's hard for me to see. It's it's hard for me to know what God's calling me to do. And this beautiful text, um, I'll have to share it with you in a little bit. Maybe at the end of the show, I'll have some time to share that with you, reminds us to, to turn to the light of Christ and ask him to lead on, lead on, lead on. And it's just a consolation, because I had a moment this weekend. It wasn't a long moment, but it's just one of those things. Am I ever going to get this right? Am I ever going to live this life of faith the correct way? And, you know, sometimes I get frustrated with the idea of being a practicing Catholic, practicing Catholic, not a, not a well-seasoned, I get it right all the time Catholic. And, and St. John Henry Newman was there to, uh, to offer me some encouragement. Let's go get a check of the weather with Mike Roberts, and then when we come back, we'll be with Patty Schneier. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. The powerful weather system that tore through our area Sunday is still going to send us northwest winds at 20 to 30 miles an hour today, gusting beyond that at times. We'll have partly sunny skies, a high in the mid to upper 50s, then tonight winds slow and skies clear. Look for a low of 45 degrees. Tomorrow's going to be nice, mostly sunny, a high of 62. But on Wednesday, strong south winds, clouds return, and so too showers and even some thunderstorms by late afternoon and evening. Wednesday, look for a high of 65 degrees. 
days. Then count on rain both Thursday and Friday with highs in the mid-50s. We are finally done with all of this by the weekend. Mostly sunny 60 Saturday, partly sunny 62 Sunday. Today is the feast day of Saints Crispin and Crispinian, Saints Chrysanthemus and Darius. They were martyrs, and this is also the feast day of the Martyrs of Valencia. During the Spanish Civil War in the 1930s, persecution of the Catholic population was rampant, but the war was especially brutal on the clergy. Nearly 7,000 priests and nuns were murdered, and the worst year was 1936, immediately after a military coup. In Valencia, Mary Therese Farragut and her husband Vincent had six daughters and one son. All of the girls became religious sisters, five of them joining the Capuchins. Four of the daughters were together in the Capuchin Monastery of the Poor Clares when it was attacked by an atheist mob. Sisters Mary Jesus, Mary Veronica, Mary Felicity, Mary Malagros, all of them siblings sought refuge in the home of their mother where they were joined by Sister Isabel. And for a time they were safe, wearing civilian clothes, practicing their faith in secret and keeping to themselves as they went about their daily lives. But a neighbor reported them to the local militia and they were taken from their home and imprisoned. On Sunday, October 22nd, 1936, they were taken out to be shot. It was the feast of Christ the King. Their mother asked to be shot last so she could give her daughter strength in prayer as they were led to their death. And that last wish was the only wish granted. One by one, they were martyred, each saying just before they were shot, long live Christ the King. After their mother was murdered, one of the executioners said, this truly was a saint. Martyrs of Valencia and the Spanish Civil War, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Well, we are just a few days away from, it seems like every kid's favorite holiday, Halloween. You know, how can you not love the chance to dress up in a fun costume, go out and get candy? And, and I do want to remind any children who may be listening that plan on trick-or-treating on my block, you get better candy if you have good jokes. They don't have to be like, you know me, I love dad jokes. So it's okay if they're groaners. But if you, if you take that effort, you take that time and put forth that effort to have a joke, You'll get better candy on my block. But we put on these masks, and we get to decide for a brief moment. We could be anybody, we could be anything, and we get to pick what that is. It's fun, but we have to come back to reality at some point and ask that question of who were we created to be. And uh, always good to talk about these things with Patty Schneier, and she's so gracious to be with us today. Patty, how are you? I'm fine. It's great to be here in studio with you, Adam, on this wonderful day. And I know you're talking about, again, identity, masks, a little bit about Halloween. And, and when I think about this, I think about our identity in Christ and how important that is to be grounded in our true identity. And everyone needs to ask the question, who am I? Who am I? And the answer is, I'm a beloved child of God. That's the number one foundational identity for every single one of us. I'm a beloved child of God. I am a sinner upon whom God has looked favorably, who has shown mercy and kindness. Very important for us to be grounded in our true identity. Yes, I am fallen. Yes, I am a sinner, but I'm a beloved child of God. And I am not the sum of my past mistakes. I'm the sum of the Father's love for me. That has to be our identity that we radiate to the world and not be afraid to show that identity. 
I'm a beloved child of God. I'm also a beloved child of the church, of the Catholic church, the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I like to say that because our identity as Catholics, again, we got to be lights in this world. It's time for us to not hide behind any mask, to be that light and to let our true identity shine. You know, I recently had the opportunity to speak with some parishioners in West St. Louis County about our universal call to evangelization. And it comes to us from the end of Matthew's Gospel, go, therefore, and teach and baptize in my name. And then even for the laity, you know, we think, oh, that's the priest's job. No, it's for us too. Lumen Gentium and the Second Vatican Council made that clear. And that doesn't mean standing on a street corner saying, friends, let me tell you about the Lord right now. But perhaps when we go out to eat, still taking that time to pray before we eat and pausing everything else and not hiding, crouching down to make the sign of the cross, not making it boldly as if to uh, put on some false show, like look at how devout we are, but just accepting our identity and saying this is who we're called to be, so this is who we're going to be. And to look for ways to let that identity show each of us has to find our own way. What what I do is going to be different than you and what um, someone older or younger are going to have to find because of the circumstances we find ourselves, our environment, the people around us. We have to have prudence and wisdom and judgment as to when to say something and when to keep our tongue. But certain things about just who we are, how we carry ourselves, our demeanor, our joy, our hope, praying for people, letting them know that we're praying for them gives people clues as to who we are and what we are about. And we need to give people clues that we are loved by God and and what is the reason for our joy. I remember someone asking me, why are you so joyful? And I mean, I couldn't help but say because God has given us this day because it's a gift. My answer had to include God. There was no other way around it. That's the joy of the Lord that's just in me and I can't help but share it. So find ways in your life that you can share the joy of the Lord, the joy of our faith, the joy of our identity. Again, make sure your family members know their true identity. You are a beloved child of God. Patty, I think it's important to stop here for a moment and talk about humility with this, because sometimes God calls us to be whatever vocation it may be that he has given us. And we say, yeah, about that, God, that's not really part of my plan. I mean, you and I go to these these vocation lunches, and we hear these great priests speak and share their story, and it seems more and more the stories include, now this is the path I thought I was on, this is what I thought I was going to do with my life, and then God came knocking and said, you know, that's great, but I have another path in mind for you. And humility is a big part of saying yes to that identity that he gives us, not that we choose for ourselves. Absolutely. And the humble prayer is, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? It's not about me. It's not about what I want to do. It's what do you want? Because when I follow your will, that's actually when I find peace and joy and happiness in the first place and become my true version of myself. You know the plans for me, Lord, and you know better than I do. That takes humility to recognize that God's plan is going to be better than my own plan. And our true identity as a child of God is to follow him wherever he's going to lead us. And he'll be with us to give us the strength to do it. So we have to recognize that on our own we can't, but with him, he will lead us exactly where he wants us to be. All right, now I have to ask you before we go to the break here, of all the Halloween costumes your kids ever picked out, what was your favorite as a mom? Oh, goodness. Well, my sons were always into sports, but my dad actually had 
an authentic, legitimate, in wool, an old Cardinals baseball uniform that my grandmother sewed down to his size, and it was passed on. And so when my sons could wear that real, authentic Cardinal uniform from the 1930s, that was for them the most fun, and it was fun for us as parents, too, I have to admit. Sounds like the best Halloween ever. Friends, don't forget this. This is your identity. You are a beloved child of God. Let that guide you through each and every day. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We are going to take a break. Patty, thanks for being with us. I look forward to our uh, daily dose of encouragement a little later on in the show. It is always good to be on the road to the Oratory of Saints Gregory and Augustine to visit with Monsignor Morris. Monsignor, good morning. Adam, good morning to you as well. Something I read as I was going through my Catholic news stories the other day, a friend of Pope Benedict XVI recently passed away, and in his letter to the community, he was, I I believe, a Cistercian monk, uh, but in his letter to the community, he said, I hope to be with my friends soon. And that that strikes me sometimes as very counterintuitive that we would want to leave this earthly pilgrimage, but that's what we're going to talk about today, is that eventually we are all going to die. Uh, Father Wade Menezes covers for us what happens when we die, but we are going to talk today about getting ready for that moment. So is let's start there. Is that a strange notion to say that, you know, I, I hope to uh, I hope to die at some point in my life? Well, I, I think to, to better contextualize it, the Holy Father, of course, is at the end of his life. He's an older man, and so he knows uh, where this is going and what's going to happen. If he were 21 years old and saying this, yes, we would, we would all kind of respond, no, you have your whole life ahead of you, which indeed a young person actually does. So this is part of the factor of age. As we grow older, obviously, we know in which direction this is going to go. But given the fact that he is older, and of course he has given his life to the church, and as Pope uh, expended a great deal of energy, I suspect now in his retirement there has been time to contemplate not uh, only the uh, reality of his life as it was lived, but actually preparing himself for this, which, as you say, on one level is kind of counterintuitive for us, in part because we obviously don't know anything other than living. We don't know death. Uh, we know of those who have died and have risen, our Lord himself. We have the testimony of Our Lady who, who did not suffer death, um, but nevertheless has come back or come to us. So we know that there's that interaction between this world and the metaphysical, the transcendent world. But we individually, anecdotally, personally, don't know about death. So we want to live. And the fact that he would say that seems strange to us, coupled with the culture in which we live tells us that we want to hold on to life. But again, that's a selfish holding on to it. If we're truly living a relationship with the Lord and Holy Mother Church, there should be, again, as we grow older, especially a preparation for the movement from this life to the next. My soul is, Lord, is restless until I rest in thee is what St. Augustine said. And that only that meant not only striving for the Lord now, but it meant realizing that well, we want to be with the Lord in heaven, and that begins now. So honestly, I talk about this all the time, much to the chagrin of my family and, and my parishioners, that I'm ready to go. Um, again, as you say, we're not we're not running into traffic. I'm not taking medicine to enhance my or enhance my death. I'm not we don't support euthanasia, so I'm not killing myself. But the earthly pilgrimage, as interesting as it has been, I am looking forward to it at some point coming to an end. 
Perhaps uh, we could use this image. My dad and I often joke around that we're both ready to go on a cruise. If, if someone were to call us up and say, free cruise anywhere in the world, you have to be ready to go to the airport in an hour, we will find a way to be ready to go to the airport in an hour. And like any trip, if we know we're going somewhere, we know that we need to pack a bag, we, we know what we would like to bring with us on a trip, we know that at some point we're going to die. So I guess the, the real question is, how do we get ready for that on this side of the equation? I think the answer to that is what our Lord himself says. He reminds us, first of all, to be vigilant because we don't know the time. So that, that, that uh, opportunity of a lifetime when it comes along, we won't necessarily know precisely when that moment is, which means we need to be prepared at a moment's notice to be on our way, hopefully, to heaven and being able to see God face to face. Concretely, what that means is those things that are required of our Christian life now are also the very things that are going to lead us into new life as well. And again, that's the beauty of the relationship that we have with God. He gives us one thing to do, basically, that covers a multitude of realities. So living a good life, uh, living a life of the sacraments, especially Eucharist, but also reconciliation, a life of corporal and spiritual works of mercy, a life of virtue, especially a life of charity and humility. Those not only help us, in a sense, um, make recompense for our sins, they assist us living well with others now, and related to this particular conversation, they prepare us for our future. And so, as we were talking talking before, The difficulty is not in the knowing, it's in the doing. We know. God has made it very clear for us. There's no, everyone keeps saying there's some hidden piece of information that if I got that, then this would, no, God has been, there are no other revelations coming. God has given us everything. Nothing is hidden. This is the beauty, again, of the intimacy that we share with God. The difficulty is accepting in one sense is it really that simple? So I think of Naaman the Syrian who travels all the way to the, uh, to ancient Israel to be bathing. I could have stayed in, in the water. Why do I have to do this? It seems so simple. Just do it. Even if it seems overly simplistic, if it seems counterintuitive. So if all I have to, if, if you will, all I have to do is pray, be charitable, be virtuous. Our own lives clearly indicate how difficult that actually is and how we really don't do it. So it isn't that simple. Not because, again, the knowledge of it, but because of the execution of it. But those are the practical things that we actually need to be doing in order to in order to actually get ourselves into heaven. Exactly. You know, we were talking before our, our segment here about a, a recent outing of golf where my problem was not that I did not know what to do, it was the actual execution of it. And I know exactly where I was making my mistakes. I, I know exactly where in my swing... I was pulling up and thus striking the ball poorly and sending it into the nearby street and not to the green. Um, that's the spiritual life. I, I, I think of that daily examination of conscience every day. I can look back at my day and say, all right, that moment where you were so impatient because of this, here's exactly where you went off the rails. And Adam, all you had to do was maybe step away and take a quick breath before responding, that you don't have to respond right away. We could go into a million examples, but we can look at our lives every day and say, oh, man, that's where I made the mistake. I think the other aspect of our preparation for heaven is also spending time contemplating heaven, contemplating the, the transcendent, contemplating the beatific vision in the face of God. So much of how we live in the world, and of course the world in which we live today, is solely about itself. 
Uh, of course, modern man has no use for God, unfortunately, and therefore has crafted a whole world where he is the beginning and the middle and the end. And as believers, we have to struggle against that. And one of the best ways we can do that is by contemplating that, again, to go to St. Augustine, uh, my citizenship is not here on earth. My citizenship is in heaven. And so maybe I have a blessed life, and, I'm, and many material blessings have been given to me. And for those, I should rejoice. But I shouldn't let those be the end-all to be-all. I shouldn't let those define who I am, especially in my spiritual journey and my spiritual striving. And so the contemplation of heaven, uh, the reality of the angels and the saints and calling upon them. I have been contemplating more this month my guardian angel and just deriving a great deal of comfort from my relationship with my guardian angel, which I, and I, could, I hate to admit, I, I mean, I knew I had one and accepted that, but, you know, didn't really expend that much energy contemplating how hard my poor guardian has to work in order to make sure that I can stay on the right path. So it's, it's doing the things, but then also thinking about, okay, as good as this is, or maybe for some of us, it is a struggle. And so our, our thoughts about this world, or we want us to simply leave it, but not leave it defeated or resigned, but leaving it knowing that if we cooperate with the grace of God, he's gone before us to prepare a place for us. And we know that place that he prepares for us will indeed be one of peace and joy. I was just a few evenings ago in conversation with some very, very good friends about these realities. We have a number of friends who are dying. And so we were discussing not only death, but the reality of heaven. And of course, everyone wants heaven to be that place where there's reunion and we see each other or we have our perfect golf game or we can eat with impunity and not gain weight or have any deleterious health issues, all those things, uh, none of which aren't necessarily, I mean, they're, they're slightly juvenile in their conceptualization, but I mean, legitimate on a natural level. But really what we need to remember is that heaven is peering upon the face of God where everything about who I am is total and complete. And so those moments, and I know we all have had, even if they've been fleeting, of experiences of just, you know, a, a total completeness about my life, whether it be in prayer or, you know, in a, in a relationship with my spouse or the beauty of my children. Heaven, in a sense, is that on steroids. It's a thousand times greater than that because it completes us. And if we contemplate that, that's also going to then help us understand what's happening in death. Because death, what do we say in, in the first preface uh, for the funeral liturgy. Uh, Lord, for your faithful life is changed, not ended. This isn't the end for us. And we need to remember that, as difficult as it is, uh, there is something on the other side that is greater than anything that we can possibly imagine. And so contemplating that also is not just a thought experiment, but should be part of our prayer life as well. At a certain point, God willing, you know, we, we may be struck by a bus and not know that it's coming, and, and that's the end. But for, for many that we know, we see this process of dying, that they get a health diagnosis or they reach old age, and, and they know the end is coming soon, but it's not here. When we think of preparation, how can we approach those final weeks, months, whatever it may be, either as the person who is actively in the process of dying or as a loved one supporting them as they prepare for this next part of the journey? I think starting with those who are caring for those who are sick, for our loved ones, I think the first thing is admitting the sadness of the situation, clearly, and allowing yourself to, to feel that and experience that. But then also not being afraid to engage the conversation with your loved one that this is happening. Obviously, they take the lead in that. You can't force that with an individual. But, you know, most 
most people who are dying, who are actively dying, who are in the final weeks or months, uh, especially those in the final months where they're still lucid, are aware of what's happening to them. Uh, have a conversation with them about that. Talk to them about that. It's not just an opportunity to heal past wounds. Um, it is to talk about and to pray uh, with them as to what's actually going on. Um, as a priest, for me, it's oftentimes the, the practicals of preparation, you know, readings at your funeral, music at your funeral. Uh, but those are, again, as, as practical as they are, they become an opportunity to uh, to converse about the reality of moving from this life to the next. I, and I think about this particularly with my own mother's death, and we had 10 days with her. And literally what the doctor told us was 10 days, and it was almost, it was 10 days on the mark. And as hard as that was, it was a beautiful opportunity that would never change. You know, partly for me, I want to go to bed at night and wake and not wake up the next day and let that be the end of it. But there also is something beautiful for caring for those who are dying. For those of us who are actively dying, I think it would be the other side. Um, certainly the sacrament of reconciliation and anointing. And, you know, reconciliation, I wouldn't say, you know, every hour on the hour, but I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, frequent confession, because you're doing, in a sense, an ongoing examination of conscience. And of course, as we do that, as we are there dying in the process of dying, we're going to be remembering our past sins and the effect of our past sins and the impact of them. And so a, a good confession or a general confession. And again, not waiting. This was an, this goes back all the way to the Council of Nicaea. The church enjoins us not to wait, meaning call for anointing, whether for your family member or for yourself. Engage a priest long before it becomes an emergency. My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, my child, God forbid, is dying. So that the priest may not always be there every day, um, but he's aware as well, certainly can pray. Don't be afraid to invite others into your suffering. Again, not necessarily into your room, because oftentimes we want some privacy there, but uh, to pray for you. Um, one of the reasons the sacrament of anointing is given is the primary reason anointing is given to us is not to heal us of sickness. That's a tertiary effect, if God wills. It is to strengthen us against the temptation to despair that often comes in the midst of sickness. Satan comes at us because that's our weakest moment. And of course, death is the weakest of moments where there would be fear and doubt maybe some anger or resentment. And of course, Satan is going to jump right in there and jumble up all of those emotions and intensify those for us. It's good to have people praying for us, praying with us, uh, and, and, and letting that happen, which means you need to, there's a vulnerability and a humility there that, that forces us in a beautiful way to rely upon other people to assist us in this passage from this life to the next. And that's where when we think of Pope Benedict recently saying that he's ready, it's not necessarily that he's looking to go right now at this very moment, but if the Lord called him, he's at peace with the fact that death is soon to be on his doorstep. I don't have any insight, listeners, by the way, to anything. Uh, I, I don't want to make this sound like a breaking news story or anything, but he's just towards the end of his life, and there's that great trust that comes with it. Now, you mentioned anointing, you mentioned calling the priest. This is something that I think we, we often don't think of until the last minute, but the church does not leave us abandoned in this moment of death as to say, well, go on and die and we'll see you at the funeral. There actually is a right, viaticum is a term we hear quite a bit, to help prepare the soul to make that journey from this earthly pilgrimage 
to stand before the throne of God. Viaticum, yes. And as the, as the term is, it's the food on the journey, on the via, on the road, on the way. So you have the anointing of the sick, extreme unction in its older language, the last anointing or the anointing in extremis. But then in the moment of death, if we are blessed to be present, there is the reception of all the communion. And I have been in my 25 years of priesthood with a number of the faithful who have received Holy Communion and then who have died. Uh, If you can describe death as a beautiful thing, it truly is a beautiful thing. And another thing, too, is, is to pray for a good and a holy death, which I pray personally every day, um, that I can die well, um, meaning not just on my terms, actually not on my terms at all, but rather that if I'm inflicted with something, or afflicted rather with something, uh, a long-term illness, or if I am gone suddenly because of an accident, that I have prepared myself or have been prepared in order to actually do that. But you're right. And again, I know you're going to speak uh, further about what happens to us after death, but even in those moments immediately after the death, there are a, a multiplicity of prayers that the Church has before and during the process of dying and then after death to assist both uh, the individual who has died and those who actually mourn. The Church is quite beautiful, and there is no... Um, I think because of the beauty of our faith, not because, not I think, I know, because of the beauty of our faith, there's a great deal of hopefulness. But then also the language is real. We pray for mercy. We pray for the forgiveness of sins. Um, because as much as we want to canonize our, our loved ones, and because they're now they're gone and we want to wipe away all the bad and embrace all the good, we have to be cautious about declaring everybody who died goes straight to heaven. Uh, again, Father Wade's going to address this more concretely, but there is purgatory. There is this process of purification. And so we continue to pray for our loved ones because we believe in the power of prayer and what it actually does. And so the church is there throughout this whole process of sickness and dying and death. Before we wrap up here, I, I do want to bring up that thought of we, we don't know the hour. Our Lord is very clear. If the master of the house knew when the thief was coming, he would be ready. And I like to joke around. I don't always cross the street after I go to confession, but when I do, I'm not necessarily as careful as I was before I went to confession. And that's the reminder. I I feel like so many times on the show, we're repeating the same thing over and over and over and over again. Live a holy life rooted in the sacraments, make frequent confession, pray your rosary daily, and strive for holiness each and every day. Because we don't want to be caught off guard if, God forbid, we are in a traffic accident or some other tragedy arises. And, and we don't want to lose sight of that, even though it can seem repetitive and mundane. I would agree wholeheartedly. And I don't, I don't think it is something for which the show needs to apologize, because the fact of the matter is we need to hear it over and over and over again, because we don't do it. Because if we did it, the world wouldn't be the way it is. We wouldn't individually be the way it is. And it doesn't mean that we're not cooperating. It doesn't mean we're not striving. It's the recognition of concupiscence, which has made, already made us weak and resisting sin and temptation. It recognizes our failures. And also then recognizes the power of God's grace to continue to heal and strengthen us because we do continue to strive. It's, a, you know, it's just a great reminder that the spiritual life, again, is not complicated in the knowledge. It's complicated in the doing. And so all of the spiritual writers from the very beginning to this moment now are saying the same thing, maybe in a thousand different ways, because it's speaking to thousands of thousands, thousands of people. I just saw that the, the number of Catholics increased, I think, from 1.3 to now 1.4 billion. 
So, you know, there is growth, if you will, however you want to term that. We can parse that out. But the fact is, there, there are people who are still choosing to be in the faith. The, the faith continues to grow. But the simple fact is, there really isn't anything new under the sun. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, as a matter of fact, it's kind of comforting. But now that we know, here it is yet again, and this is the thing you need to do. So if you're looking again for some magic bullet or some you know, profound insight that if I listen to Catholic Radio, eventually they're going to tell me the one secret that will help me live my Catholic life, I'm going to disappoint you and tell you it doesn't exist. We have, Adam has told you repeatedly, and will continue to do so, everything you need to know and what it is you actually have to do. Go and do it. Well, I think our marching orders are clear, Monsignor. We just have to go do it now. Could I ask you to close us with a prayer? Certainly. And gracious and merciful Father, we give you thanks for the blessings you bestow upon us. We pray through an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to be well prepared for that moment when you call us home. Through a life of virtue well lived, may we find our dwelling place with you forever. We make this prayer in all of our prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit descend upon you and remain with you forever. Amen. Amen. Always good to be with Monsignor Morris here at the Oratory. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back after this. The powerful weather system that tore through our area Sunday is still going to send us northwest winds at 20 to 30 miles an hour today, gusting beyond that at times. We'll have partly sunny skies, a high in the mid to upper 50s, then tonight winds slow and skies clear. Look for a low of 45 degrees. Tomorrow's going to be nice, mostly sunny, a high of 62. But on Wednesday, strong south winds, clouds return, and so too showers and even some thunderstorms by late afternoon and evening. Wednesday, look for a high of 65 degrees. Then count on rainbow Thursday and Friday with highs in the mid-50s. We are finally done with all of this by the weekend. Mostly sunny, 60 Saturday. Partly sunny, 62 Sunday. It's Monday. It's a new week. It's time for a daily dose of encouragement. And here to tell us about our theme for the week is Patty Schneier. Well, I love Mondays. We get to unpack another topic for daily dose of encouragement. And this week, we're going to unpack reverence. Holy reverence. How do we show reverence? Why do we need reverence? Well, it goes back to some basic things, but reverence is how we show our outward expression of our interior disposition. And we do that in and through our body. Our body is speaking all the time. So we are to reverence God in our bodies, in and through our bodies. We do that by our outward gestures the genuflections, the sign of the cross, all of those things that we do, how we dress, how we talk. Today, think about that in your life. How do you show reverence for God? From the moment you wake up till your head hits the pillow at night, do you show reverence and love for God? We can only read the signs of the body from other people. So we're speaking to other people as well. When people see you, do they know by your speech, by how you dress, by how you talk, that you love God. That's how we can reverence God in and through our bodies. So think about that this week. Maybe think about ways that you can show more reverence in your life and teach your children that what they do matters. It matters. It matters because the body is always speaking and we want to reverence God in our bodies. Patty, you've reminded me of that prayer I try to pray every day. Ad majorum de glorium, we dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to what? To the greater glory of God. I'm excited to talk about reverence this week. This has been another Daily Dose of Encouragement with Patty Schneier.
Well, we are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Monday morning, October 25th. As we wrap up the month of the rosary, I want to remind you to keep praying that rosary each and every day. You know, this month we have been encouraging you to pray the rosary every day, and it doesn't stop with October. Just because this is the month of the rosary, um, you know, we, we want to keep this going. I hope if, if you haven't been praying the rosary every day that this month you began and that you, you take that forward. You know, it's like we say about the first Fridays and the first Saturdays. You know, and, and the tradition is, the devotion is that on the nine consecutive first Fridays or the five consecutive first Saturdays, well, we don't get to nine, we don't get to five, and then just say, okay, I did my nine, I did my five, and stop. We start over again. We keep going because it's good for us, and, and it helps helps us to receive grace. I mean, we, we can't get there without a life of prayer. So I want to encourage you. My point is, don't just stop praying the rosary every day at the end of October. Pray the rosary every day of the year for every year for the rest of your life. And uh, pray for me. I'll be praying for you. We'll try and do that together. Let's uh, close the show in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Monsignor Morris for welcoming us to the oratory once again. I want to thank Patty Schneier for being with us in studio. Don't forget to tune in Wednesday when we continue talking about uh, all things related to the fact that we're going to die. We'll be talking about the four last things with Father Wade Menezes and more. Until then, you've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. Pray your rosary today.